out to the KDUS hotline, go around college football. We're now joined in the sports zone by Pete Futak at collegefootballnews.com. And Pete, always good to have you. Uh, the uh, college football playoff uh, is lack drama during November. Ohio State's the only top eight team from week one that is actually lost, and they lost another top eight team. How surprised are you that there has been little chaos in the last four weeks, and why have there been so few upsets over this stretch? It's never happened before. I mean, we've never had we, – we, in the history of college football that we've never had five – 10 and 0 power five level uh, college football teams. I mean, there's been like years where we've had like 10 0 and 1, but way, way back in the day, but never like per- five perfect teams. And they just kind of keep winning. And obviously, Ohio, someone had to lose Michigan to Ohio State. So even that was close, but Texas keeps winning, Oregon keeps winning. And it has made this, it, it, we've never seen anything like it. So uh, it's just kind of how the schedule's played out, and we just aren't getting the upsets that always sort of fall this time of year. It's almost like everyone's sort of prepared for uh, what's coming. And now we've got just this big, giant, interesting pickle in this final weekend where if this is going to be the weirdest part because in the college football playoff era, we really haven't had any massive upsets in the conference championships. I mean, there's been a, you know, maybe a, you know, a two-point underdog here, uh, you know, Utah beating USC last year there. But not, we haven't had, like, Iowa beating Michigan or anything massive like that. So you got to kind of assume if everything goes chalk, this thing is going to go haywire in a couple days. There was some discussion that Michigan might actually move ahead of Georgia after Michigan's win over Ohio State. You okay with Georgia still one and Michigan a two? Not really, but it doesn't matter. I mean, Michigan's got the better win. Georgia, I think we're. I think everyone just overrates Georgia just because it's Georgia. If you actually look at their body of work, and, and it, it kind of keeps getting blown off that they're good, but the SEC isn't. You know, the SEC is the worst of the Power Five conferences and head-to-head with other Power Five teams. If you look at the schedule, okay, they, they were great against you know Missouri and Ole Miss, which. Is fine, and I know they're ranked relatively well by the college football playoff, but it's not like beating – I know Penn State's lower. It's not like beating Penn State. Penn State's better than Missouri and Ole Miss. And it's not like, to me, even though they're ranked lower, it's not like winning at Notre Dame when they were red hot like Ohio State was able to do. So, whatever, you know, it's, it, it, no matter what, if it was one or two, Michigan's going to go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, the SEC champion winner is going to go – uh, to the peach and we'll just kind of everything's gonna kind of move on from there so it's it's uh it's not that big a deal at one or two because everything will shake out and so uh the big question marks obviously how does how do we do three and four and the bigger question mark is what happens if bama beats georgia because then everything goes crazy if that happens if alabama beats georgia what do you think will happen that's where this gets nuts because I, I am not buying in that the committee's going to leave out Florida State if it's thirteen and zero. It's never happened. For 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 if Alabama wins the SEC championship, obviously it depends on everything else because it, Michigan's in if it beats uh, Iowa like it's supposed to. So let's just assume that, and then it gets okay. So what else happens? Because if Texas beats Oklahoma State, especially if they do it impressively. How do you say, yeah, we're putting in Alabama, but not Texas, who beat Alabama at Alabama by 10? 
So your scenario is, let's say Washington upsets, in uh, uh, slight upset, Oregon, and we have three 13-0 Power 5 conference champions. I, I'm, I, I, I might be missing it, and I know there's a lot of other people don't believe this, but until the college football playoff committee leaves out a 13-0 Power 5 conference champion, I, no way. It's not going to happen. So you had Michigan, Washington, and Florida State at 13-0, and and let's say Texas beats Oklahoma State by like 15 or 20 and looks great doing it, and Alabama beats Georgia, you might have a case to say the SEC should be out of the college football playoff altogether. <laughs> Florida State, yeah, obviously Jordan Travis not playing, and yeah, Wanamaker was not impressive last week against Florida. If FSU stumbles a little bit this week and wins, but you know it doesn't look impressive, is should they actually should Florida State actually be in the Final Four at that point? Should they? Probably not. I, I don't think they're one of the four best teams. But as a process guy, like look, I made this case in the first college football playoff where, if you remember, way back in 2014, uh, you had the Jameis Winston defending national champion Florida State team that was undefeated, but it wasn't very good. And the schedule yeah. wasn't that great. They kind of half got through games. They didn't look the part. Uh, they just, they weren't, you know, for being an undefeated Power 5 team, they just were just okay. And there weren't a whole lot of other options out there in terms of undefeated teams because everyone else had a loss. So, uh, and I kind of made the argument, well, if you're going to go four best team, this isn't one of them, and they got in. So we have yet in the college football playoff era to not have an undefeated Power 5 conference team in the college football playoff. And only one time have we had a 12-1 a Power 5 conference champion not get in, and that's because it was Ohio State one year and they lost big to Purdue, and Notre Dame was undefeated. So Notre Dame's really a Power 5 team. So, so really, if you, outside of the one time, if there's no other options available – we have yet to have an undefeated or one-loss Power 5 conference champion not get in. So if they were to, if the committee does something quirky in this, they'd be breaking all precedent. And while, yes, it's Georgia, yes, you know, it's, you know, whatever other team, if, let's say, you know, Washington loses or whatever this works. Uh, but they've said from the start their number one big key criteria piece is, did you win your Power 5 conference championship? I am not buying in that they are going to leave out a 13-0 Power 5 Conference champion. You mentioned that Florida State Jameis team. They lost by 100 points to Oregon in the semifinals, as it turns out. Yeah, that was not pretty. (laughs) That was was not pretty. You're right about that. No doubt. Okay, back to last night. What kind of caught your attention from last night's top 25? There's a lot of traffic you know, for, for some of these teams. And, you know, in the history of this thing, I think the stat is no one at this point, six or lower has gotten in. So, you know, it's, we're all just kind of, what happened? I think Bama beats Georgia. It's kind of my big call, but that's obviously just a projection and call. It's probably not going to happen because Georgia's pretty good. But really what kind of caught everything is that, you know, process-wise, there's a bunch of mistakes here. I mean, it's, if this is next year, it, it would work out, but next year at this time, we're going to care about who's 9, 10, and 11. And the fact that right. they have Missouri 9, and Missouri is very good, 
but you know they they, they find so you you, know, you have the, the losses to uh, you have the loss to Georgia, but they also lost to LSU. Ole Miss beat LSU, and Ole Miss's two losses are Bama and Georgia. So really, they should be Ole Miss should be ahead of Missouri, and Penn State really should be ahead of both of them. And uh, Penn State doesn't have the one monster win except for beating Iowa 31 nothing, which isn't getting enough credit. And beating West Virginia is not bad. And they've got a bunch of other pretty good wins. And they played Michigan and Ohio State tough. They should be the best of us, which, again, doesn't matter right now. And it wouldn't matter next year because all three of them, as this projects, would get in. But this would get really funky fast if, say, Louisville beats Florida State and there would be an argument over – you know, that 11th spot because Tulane or some uh, team from group of five is going to have to get in the top 12. So uh, you just want to see the committee get the process right. And they've really been all over the map with their criteria. Pete Futak of collegefootballnews.com, currently in the sports zone. University of Arizona, uh, you know, certainly has turned it around since Noah Fafita became the starting quarterback. They're 15th now in the CFP. Uh, what has impressed you the most about the U of A this season? The lines. Look, it, it takes a while. And that was when Jed Fish first took over, the, the main problem is, especially in year one and for most of year two, is that offensive line couldn't do much of anything. The defensive line struggled. And it's what, you know, a place like Colorado, for example, where for all the flash and all the fun, and it really was, like it's dog now, but it really was a successful, you know, the uh, plus three in the win column uh, season for Colorado. Well, what they figured out is they could transfer portal up everywhere. It's really hard to do that for especially the offensive line and make it good right away. You have to actually, Mm -hmm. that is one area you do have to build. And that took a a couple years, but now they went from being eh, uh, an awful up front to eh, to now all of a sudden being great. So those lines are starting to take over games. Uh, Fafita's obviously been great, but just the confidence that this team's playing with right now. And, you know, look, and the crazy part about it is if you look back over the season, you know, Arizona's closer to being 12-0 and than they are to being, you know, 7-5 and or 6-6. and So uh, <laughs> this has been just an amazing run for a program that has not had a whole lot of college football success, at least at a mid-range to high level. No doubt about that. Not much success for the uh, University of Arizona football program over the years. The coaching carousel, uh, that's obviously started and underway. Uh, yeah, Mike Elko leaving Duke and going to A&M or going back to A&M for him. Is that the right choice? Um, and you know, best guess, uh, you, know, you know, what do you think, uh, you know, basically of the Elko hiring here? Oh, like, okay. Like, it's, it's, so going forward, the the whole goal in the for all these teams is to get into the top eleven, and to do that you got to go ten and two. Like the, now, it's the it's an impossible impossible goal to say you're going to finish in the top four and you're going to either be undefeated, you're going to win your Power Five conference champion, especially in a conference where you have you know sixteen teams where. You know, you can have you could be really good, be ten and two, and it doesn't matter. You know, so it's so going forward for a place like Texas A and M, if you're Elko, the the bar is going to shift. It's not going to be 
hey, you got to beat Bama. You got to be better than Georgia. You got to be better than LSU. You got to be, you know, better than all these teams and win the SEC. It is, can you be the third or fourth best team in the SEC and do it and go 10 and 2? And so that's going to be the goal for Elko. But the crazy part about it, I wrote a whole big thing on it this week, is that the odds are just, you forget, we can name any coach who takes over any of these jobs. The odds are really, really awful that whatever new head coaching hire comes in lasts for three years or more and wins 60% of his games. It does not seem like it should be that big a task to win six out of every 10 games for a new hire, at least. I mean, some of these places, like, you know, if someone's hiring someone at a Temple or UMass or something, yeah, winning 60% would be awesome. But, like, if Mike Yoko wins 60% of his games at Texas A&M, there's a buyout happening in a couple of years. You know, so we're not setting the bar high, but we're only talking about, you know, how many coaches have actually been able to do this. It's, it's really, really small. We're only talking about, like, 30-ish or so who have been able to do this. And when you talk about, like, how many have been able to last for five years or, or more and win at about 60%, there's only about 11 of them. So the idea of will this hire work, probably not. Probably not at the level because they just don't. It, it, it takes something really ridiculously lucky for a coach to, again, win at a relatively consistent level and stay around. Now, would you say that, you know, Jed Fish isn't in there, but would you say that hire has worked? Yeah, he's building it. You know, sometimes it takes a while. So you have to have that stability to be around for five, six, eight years and be able to build up the program like you want. And so many of these places, especially at a place like Texas A&M, who desperate to win now in a transfer portal era, these guys just don't get that much time to work. Jonathan Smith leaving his alma mater, Oregon State, and going to Michigan State. I understand leaving Oregon State you know, don't have a conference, basically, or you know, who are they going to be playing. Sure. Uh, but were you surprised he went to Michigan State? Uh, he's a very well-thought-of head coach. And the, Michigan State's a different sort of place, too, because they're, they're a little like the Pittsburgh Steelers, where if they get a coach that, that's pretty above average, they will stick it out through as long as it takes. And uh, the hope is to get another Mark D'Antonio where, you know, you have the one big G- giant year, you have another pretty good year, and a whole lot of very, very good years. You don't have to be Ohio State if, if you're Michigan State or if you're taking over that job. You don't have to you – know, your, your, your year is not a failure if you go 11-1 and and you lose to Michigan. Uh, so if you're, for a place like Michigan State, yeah, okay. Here's a guy who proved he could win – at a place that's hard to recruit to. And, you know, Michigan's taking it recruits, but now, you know, can he help out in the transfer portal? Well, the guy got DJ Uyunglele from Clemson when he was at Oregon State. Uh, and he, his style of play really does kind of fit what they're going to want in the Big Ten. I mean, does that mean, you know, that you know, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State are going to, you know, wrap up shop and say, okay, we're done playing college football now? No, but it, it's a good, solid tire that makes sense. Uh, but, again, I, I don't mean to be uh, kind of standoffish about this, but you just so never, ever know when it comes to these coaches and the gigs that they get. You, everything you think could work all of a sudden becomes kind of different when they get there. And so you have to kind of see, you know, where things click. Do they get the right breaks? It's a whole lot of luck. What I kind of look for more than anything else is styles. And Jonathan Smith's style and what he likes to do really does fit what uh, Michigan State's going to want to do. And then, 
you know, kind of, you know, your general area down there, let's try something like San Diego State, you know, for a coaching hire, where if you've got a program that's stodgy, that it's all about defense, and they got a shiny stadium that they need people to show up in, what do you do? You hire a high-octane offensive coach like Sean Lewis. So that's so it depends on the program and what they want to do with it and what they want their identity to be each, each and every spot here. Okay, so kind of along those lines, Indiana fired Tom Allen. Is that a decent job? Is there a logical fit to who would be next? You have to find someone like a Sean Lewis type who has a specific style. You need to have an identity. You can't just play it straight. You can't just get something somebody in and say, well, we're going to get the guys we're going to you know, block and tackle and do other. You've got to have someone who's got some sort of offensive system that makes uh, Indiana unique or a defensive system that becomes the trademark and says, oh, we're playing Indiana this week. Uh-oh, we got to deal with that. You know, I'm not talking about going to the triple option or anything like that, but you, you can't just say our – our 11 guys are going to beat your 11 guys, you know, because that's, you know, the defensive side of that would be example would be Rutgers where, you know, Greg Shiano, they're never going to win the big 10 championship, but Shiano has that defensive style. You don't make a lot of mistakes. You slow it down. You play good D and they're six and six, you know, they're going to a bowl game. That's a successful year at Rutgers, you know, and again, we, in a, in these conferences that are going to get bigger and bigger and have 16 teams or more, you can't win every year. So you've got to kind of set the bar differently. So if you're Indiana, the goal is going to be, can you get someone who can, you know, win enough games? And look, Northwestern was able to do it this year. Again, Rutgers was able to do it. Just get the six wins and go to a bowl game. That would be a really, really good hire. And again, to do that, you've got to find someone who's going to, you know, I, I would say like a younger hotshot assistant, like one of those 34-year-old guys like a G.J. Kinney from Texas State or someone like that who – comes in all of a sudden we're getting his system and go from there talking with pete futak from collegefootballnews.com are you surprised that florida has not moved on from billy napier i still think he worked i i was a huge fan you know again i've been sheepish about all these hires that's one that i was really hot on i i, I did i had thought when he was at arizona state i thought he was uh just a superstar head coaching prospect and should have actually gotten the head coaching job at asu uh, but I, I obviously he was great at Louisiana. I thought that this would be great right out of the box. Uh, his problem has been defense, though. He kind of got away with it at Louisiana because his offense in the Sun Belt was able to do to, do enough to get by. But he's going to have to do something on the defensive side. The offense has been fine. The offense proved it can be adaptable. It, it was powerful at times. Graham Mertz, when he was healthy, was crazily hitting over 80% of his passes. You know, so the offense will, will work, but they have got to nail that defense, and you're Florida. You're bound by nothing. That's where you can fix it through the transfer portal. I do think he is a great head coach. I do think if you can be patient, it will happen. Uh, but Florida, you know, that's a place that should be playing for the national championship, not just hoping for a bowl game and certainly not not going to a bowl game like they aren't this year. Okay, last up. There seems to be always a surprise coaching move in December. Any guesses uh, what that might be this year? We still kind of have to see if Harbaugh really does care about the NFL. And it's a, it, the NFL is a sucker bet. No one's going to give him general manager uh, duties or anything like that. 
but there is going to be the prevailing thought that, okay, if, if they win the national championship or if they, you know, come close and lose or if he, you know, they get up they butt their head up against Georgia and they can't win that, it's like, okay, we can't get by the, that top ceiling. And if it just sort of seems like, all right, this all kind of passed over, blew over this year, but in a year or so, there are massive suspensions coming. If there's some sort of writing on the wall, that would be the one thing where if some NFL team wanted to deal with him, uh, I actually like the guy, so I'm not dogging him, but like if some NFL team just wanted all that and wanted to pay up, uh, that would be the one move that would be really sort of out, out, little out there. Pete, appreciate it as always. Thanks. Have fun. Anytime. Have a great week. You too. Pete Futak, collegefootballnews.com. Excellent stuff there.